Since the year 2000, Ryan Wildstar and Ryan Elston have been traveling the world, celebrating the most extraordinary people, places, books, art, music, food, wine, and cultures. To quote Joseph Campbell, the aesthetic experience is a simple beholding of the object. You experience a radiance. You are held in aesthetic arrest. You are listening to Aesthetic Arrest. Welcome to the Epicurean Vagabonds. With your host, Ryan. And Ryan. And we are back for our Aesthetic Arrest podcast number five. Rumi, Somi, Sushi, and Mishima. And cheers to that. So this week, as always, we'll be discussing our reading, our listening, our looking, our viewing, and our tasting recommendations. So, Ryan Wildstar, what are you reading this week? So, um, I actually started reading a book that was just uh, released um, uh, in English uh, by Yukio Mishima, who is one of my favorite authors of all time. And it's called Beautiful Star. Um, which of course resonates, um, <laughs> wild star. Uh, yeah. And, um, it's never been published and he said it was one of his favorite books. So I'm just absolutely fascinated. I haven't read that much of it. Um, I've just started it, but it's, uh, it's very typical Mishima. Uh, he's so lush mm. and his writing is so beautiful and and concise and um the book starts out i I guess it's a different uh book for him it's a little more almost science fiction Mm. um but the book starts out it's uh, 60s japan rural japan Mm. and uh the family is gathering into their um volkswagen bus to head to the train station the local train station in the middle of the night to go uh, uh, up this mountain, the highest mountain uh, in their oh, province, okay. where there's a monastery up at the top. So that's, <laughs> that's all I can tell you for now. But uh, mostly the recommendation really is about Mishima. Yes. Because... Um, what a great writer. Uh, and I mean, I read F- uh, Forbidden Colors, which is one of my favorite books of all time. One of mine, too. Yeah, I love yeah. that novel. And I think Mishima was revolutionary, uh, especially in Japanese culture, for being out homosexual man mm-hmm. talking about those things. And Forbidden Colors was oh, especially. in the in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was huge. Um, so, yeah. And his writing, it, it, it... It's exquisite. Yeah. So I... I haven't finished the book, but I, I'm highly recommending everything that is yes. Yukio Mishima. Um, we've linked to um, the new book, which I don't think is out in the U.S. yet. I think it's coming soon. It's available in via Penguin UK. Okay. We, it's available in Europe. I, I think it will be in North America soon, I hope. Yeah, but if not, um, read Forbidden Colors. Read, yes. read any of his um, trilogies. Uh, Tetralogies, uh, yes. He's just... He's such an exquisite writer. Uh, he brings nature into your... You, you feel it, you taste mm-hmm. it, you smell it. He's one of those sensual writers. And also me. such a psychologist. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that is my um, reading recommendation this week. Uh, what about you? Well, I'm also reading a brand new translation of the great Persian poet Rumi. Oh. Who love, I love, and I know you love too. Uh, it's uh, newly published from the New York Review of Books. The title is Gold. Mm by Rumi, 
and it's translated by Hale Liza Gafori, who she herself is uh, Persian-American, mm. and she has been studying, reading, and actually performing the works of Rumi oh, for many, many years. So she brings uh, a familiarity and an authenticity to yeah, the yeah, translation, yeah. which is really important for sure uh, when it comes to Rumi, uh, because his work is just exquisite. It's I, so beautiful. And she's she's amazing. There's actually I, I'm going to put some clips she of her performing his songs in Persian and oh, uh, with music, great. which is also really cool. But this this translation it's by far the best I've read, and I've read a lot of Rumi translations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the years. I know you are. And uh, just I, I'm just going to give a few lines from one of the poems. This poem is entitled "Let Love." Hmm. Let love, the water of life, flow through our veins. Let a love-drunk mirror steeped in the wine of dawn translate night. You who pour the wine, put the cup of oneness in my hand and let me drink from it until I can't imagine separation. Oh, so beautiful. And that's just a few lines from oh. an exquisite poem, an exquisite book. And there's always wine in Rumi. Oh, Rumi, Rumi's all about the wine. <laughs> and also his love for yeah. uh, Shams, his yeah, his yeah. tutor, lover, right. the, the man who inspired him. So there's also a, yeah. a very queer element in Rumi as well. Yeah, yeah. And the poems are just exquisite and okay. all about oneness and uh, breaking down all barriers between people and ideologies. Exactly what we need right now. Exactly what we need right now. <laughs> I forgot to read the little quote from um, uh, Forbidden Colors oh, from yes, Mishima. Please, please. Beauty is something that burns the hand when you touch it. Ooh, which almost that yeah. almost sounds kind of roomy. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you can tell yeah. Mishima. Yes. Uh, Ooh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, basically, Rumi and Mishima inspired <laughs> a little bit. This, this, <laughs> a few of our, yeah. our works. But first, let's talk about your listening. Uh, yeah. So. Um, uh, we were when we were in Athens uh, in the winter last mm -hmm. year. Um, uh, I came across a recommendation, I think, through via Spotify. I was mm -hmm. listening to some jazz and uh, came up uh, the singer Somi. Um, and I was like, Who is this? I don't know her. Um, she's a jazz singer based out of New York, but she's Rwandan, Ugandan, uh, her parents, and mm -hmm. she grew up in Africa, but she... Born in the U.S.? Born in the U.S., but then at three, went back to Africa and grew up in Africa, and then went to university in Illinois, mm -hmm. um, got her degree in anthropology and African studies, and then went to NYU's School of the Arts uh, as a performance artist, a singer, mm -hmm. and she's a jazz singer. She's She's... Wow, her voice just blew me away. And I said, how the hell do I not know this singer? Like, I keep up on these things. And uh, so, Somi, um, I started listening to her work. And, um, yeah, she just recently put out uh, an album called uh, Zenzile, The Reimagination of Miriam Makeba. And it's her. We 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 talked about it on. That's our... right. Last so last week for those who haven't seen it, we put out a list of our favorite albums of 2022 so far. So far, right. and both of our choices this week are yeah, on that list right. as well. And she and, and so the the album is great because she's um, she's doing 
she's reimagining yeah. Miriam McCabe songs, some of which Miriam McCabe wrote, some of which Miriam McCabe covered. Mm-hmm. And then she's also doing new pieces mm-hmm. that are kind of inspired, inspired by Miriam McCabe. Yeah. So I highly, highly, highly recommend um, uh, this album, uh, Zenzile, The Reimagination of Miriam McCabe. And there's a great um, also clip that we've attached um, uh, of a video uh, with her, and it's great. And it's Mary McCabe's maybe her most famous song, Pata Pata. Pata Pata. Pata. Yeah. So, yeah, check that Beautiful out. Beautiful video. And, uh, yeah, and, and so ba- back to the roomy theme, what about you? <laughs> so also from our list of albums yeah. this year, but but also, in this case, uh, Inspired by Rumi is one of my favorite musical ensembles. I've actually written about them here before. Uh, Constantinople. Yeah. You can't say too much about them. But I haven't talked about this album, so I'm going to keep talking about them because I love them this much. They're a Montreal-based international ensemble. And uh, their new album uh, from this year is called In the Footsteps of Rumi. And they worked with an amazing, multi-talented artist, uh, Galia Benali. Uh, she's, oh, yeah. she's Tunisian, and she's a singer. She's a graphic artist. She's a writer. She's an actress, a composer. She's everything. Yeah. And uh, basically, they took many of the great words of Rumi and created so songs rich. inspired by the words. And it's just stunning. Again, lots of beautiful strings, beautiful vocals. If you, again, if you want something it's to just relax and have yeah. a transcendental experience, yeah, yeah. Uh, put on the album if you want to see them live uh check out the video but yes highly recommended in the footsteps of rumi by constantinople and galia benali so beautiful speaking of inspiration what about looking what about your visual art that you what visual art have you been looking at this week well so uh, so i started reading mishima and then that just flooded me (laughs) with the images of a lot of things yes um mishima was very connected to uh buto which i will talk about later but before that um the photography of aiko hoso Mm. um who i mean his photography you know there's there's some photographers like Man Ray, yeah. who just grab you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hoso, he's just, he's just incredible. And he, he started working actually um, with one of the founders of Buto, which I'm going to talk about later, mm-hmm. um, uh, Tatsumi Hijikata. Um, but then he met Mishima uh, in the 60s, early 60s, late 50s. And uh, he wanted to photograph Mishima. I mean, Mishima was like his muse. Uh, basic, basically, Mishima said to him, uh, I will give myself up to you as the subject matter of you for your camera. Mm. I want you to feel free to use me as you see fit and take whatever images your vision suggests. Mm. And so they did a whole well-known series called Killed by Roses, or in this case, uh, Ordeal by Roses, which we've linked to where Mishima is his, and there's this iconic photo of Mishima with the rose held up to his mouth, which I remember seeing the first time I read Mishima. And I, so yes, I, uh, his work um, just, I came back to it because of the Mishima, like a lot of the, Mm -hmm. the recommendations this week. And I just was, I'm just blown away. You look at it and you say, okay, this is the late fifties, sixties. But it's it it's revolutionary. Mm-hmm. It looks so it's so modern and cutting edge, mm-hmm. and um, he's such an incredible photographer. That photo gallery you linked to, I think, in the Guardian. Oh, just exquisite. I mean, every photo is just and it's like collage. Yeah, really. Yeah. Like you you look at it and say, what 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 has he done? So yeah, that um, 
I just uh, highly recommend uh, looking at uh, looking at his work. Um, yeah, check out the the Guardian collection. But Aiko Hoso. And uh, what about you? Well, in a similar vein, uh, my artist was is is very inspired by the work of Rumi, and her name is Salma Arastu. Oh. And she's actually based out of Berkeley, California now, but she uh, was born in India. Her parents, however, uh, were from Pakistan and were forced to leave Pakistan when India was split into uh, because her family was Hindu. Mm. Uh, she, however, married a Muslim and then traveled all over. She lived in Iran. She lived throughout the Middle East and then found her way to the U.S., and she's incorporated all of those travels into her exquisite art. She is a painter, a sculptor. She's an amazing calligrapher. Mm -hmm. And she's just done art in all these different genres. And much of her work is inspired by the poetry of Rumi. Of Rumi. And uh, so I've put in some links. There's a, there's a slideshow. There's a great interview with her where she talks about oh, Rumi. Oh, that interview. And again, what a beautiful soul. She, just beautiful. Uh, she actually describes in the video, um, she was actually born without any fingers on her left hand. Which... Yeah. So she, but her mother told her uh, that she thought this was a gift and it meant she was meant to do something with her other hand. And so she, she became <laughs> this exquisite artist with one with one hand and she's just amazing. Oh no, her work is just gorgeous. It's so beautiful. And the video really, like you said, just shows like what a beautiful soul exactly. she is. And you, you can see it in the art. There's mm -hmm. this like, and I loved the, when she said she didn't paint faces. Yes. On the people because, because she, she didn't yeah. want to separate them. She didn't want to separate. So it's all about oneness. Yeah. So she actually created a nonprofit called the Oneness oh. Projects, love, love, which love. uses art, music, dance to bring people of all different types together because her whole message is break down barriers between people, religions, ideologies, uh, borders, break down the walls. Love it. We are all one. And her work is just so great, especially in these times. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, love it. Check, check out those links. Uh, but now let's talk about our viewing. And you mentioned... So, Buto. Buto. Um, so, yeah, this is a bit of a, a, a long thread, but again, via Mishima, um, and then uh, and then Hoso, I, it brought me back to thinking about Buto, um, which is something I discovered um, because of my love of sur uh, the surrealist uh, authors like Artaud and, and, and then... Chenet, not surrealist, but um, but Artaud really inspired a whole movement post Second World War in Japan, uh, uh, founded by Tatsumi uh, Hijikata. Um, he created a dance troupe called Buto, mm -hmm. and the whole idea was after Nagasaki and Hiroshima, mm -hmm. uh, this darkness, uh, and the they wanted to create a dance that was about moving from darkness into light Ooh, yes and they were uh really horrified by the images of you know the war um and so they created this whole dance troupe called buto and um well, it was great because they would do these dance performances across the countryside of Japan, they would move hundreds of miles dancing across troops of Buto mm. dancers, just performing for villagers. Anyone who right. happened upon them. So that's how it started. And this is like early 50, mid 50s. Like right post-war. Post-war. Yeah. 
And so Hijikata uh, forms Buto, creates Buto, and then many troops come out of it. And it's been going ever since. And you had the opportunity to work with. So, yeah, in Los Angeles in 1992, I was uh, doing my play called Unnatural Habitat. And I was, uh, which I wrote and was producing, directing, starring in. And I had all these dancers. And I happened to get the opportunity to see Oguri. A Buto dancer who had worked with Hijikata, trained with him, and uh, he did this performance at a place called Lace, mm-hmm. downtown Los Angeles, which was iconic. Rest in peace, oh, Lace. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So Center for Performance Art. Oh my god. And uh, yeah, I actually rehearsed with my whole um, ensemble there at Lace, but we saw um, uh, Oguri perform uh, this whole piece mm. where he moved, he had a, a mirror that was lit from above in the center of the stage, and he moved for about 30 minutes, muscle by muscle, into the center of the mirror. And I, I'd literally never seen anything like it before. So I uh, was just astounded. I, I talked to him after the performance, and I said, can we come train with you? Can me and my dancers come train with you? And he said, yes. So we signed up and we did a wow. workshop with him uh, for many weeks uh, before our, our uh, performance of our play. And and then later I got uh, the opportunity to see one of my favorite troops of Buto, Sankar Juko. Oh. And uh, I saw them at UCLA in the early 90s. And then we got to see them in, in Paris. Paris in what, 2001, 2002? 2001, I think. Ugh. And, I mean, last week we talked about the great uh, director, theater director, Peter Brook. And that that was one of my great theater experiences. Uh, Senkai Juku, oh. they were another just, I mean, the, the only words are aesthetic arrest. Because yeah. Yeah. I don't even have the words to intellectualize how that performance made me feel. Yeah. It was just, uh, well, you can't, I can't even because, describe it. Because there's really nothing like Buto. Because, no. Because when you there's see There's no it, words. No, there's no, there's music. Yeah. And they're moving. I mean, the the the, the performance in, in Paris and the one I saw in UCLA of Senkaijuku, where they sprout up from the sand. This, this like is, they imitate the, the, and the, the they, growth of a flower. And they literally move their hand one, and literally their whole body. One petal at a time. So uh, please, please, please uh, the cl- click the links to the videos, which are uh, actually um, videos of uh, trailers for their films of each performance. Mm. So they've, they've, all, they've filmed over the years. I mean, I think they started in 86. Wow. And they've been going ever since. So, yeah, that is my um, highly, highly recommended viewing yes. for this week. <laughs> and um, what about you? <laughs> well, mine isn't immediately connected to our title, but is also uh, inspired by uh, a writer. And that's a new TV series on AMC, AMC Plus called Dark Winds. Oh, it's so good. Which we've been loving. It's so good. Loving, loving, loving. So um, it's actually, uh, it's a new series. Uh, based on the books of the author Tony Hillerman, mm. who I actually haven't read yet. I haven't either. But uh, I know my mom is a huge fan. I think she's yeah, read right. everything uh, of the Joe Lee Porn and Jim Chi uh, books, which are a mystery series. They're two detectives, uh, Navajo detectives, uh, on the reservation, tribal police, and In the wow. 70s, right? The, it's set in the 1970s. Yeah. Like and, the series is set. And the series, yeah, the series... Uh, is set in that time. The acting is just... Oh my God, they really get it right. I mean, the, the two leads are uh, Zon McLarnon 
and Keel Gordon as Lee Porn and Chi. Oh, they're and so they're good. so good. They have a great dynamic. Yeah. Also, Jessica Matten is basically the third lead of the show. She's like the the um, deputy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, she's and so good. She's wonderful. And the show, like the books, apparently, it really captures a lot of the Navajo mythology, spirituality, magical that. realism mixed with mystery. Yeah. And, and it was a real detective story too. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. It's if you love mysteries, it's it's just great. It's, and yeah, it's the acting's great. Right the writing's great. We're living for it. Yeah, so yeah. highly recommend that. And also, I'm. It makes me really want to read the books. So me too. So yeah. I'm gonna be reading that very very soon. Yeah. No, it did it did as well for me. I was like, oh wow, it's the dialogue is so well written mm-hmm. that you can you can tell the books must be great because they really kept to it. And it's very authentic. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So highly it. recommend Dark Winds. Um, but what about tasting? What's on your tasting recommendation list this week? Um, so it has nothing to do with Rumi <laughs> or Japanese um, <laughs> artists at all. It's just my good old friend from my childhood, um, you know, cooking at home with Julia and Jacques Pepin. Oh. And it's Jacques Pepin's YouTube videos. I get them in my Facebook feed. How, how old is he now? He's 86 years mm. old. And um, he's doing these little five-minute clips um, that he just started recently of him cooking at home. It's called Jacques Pepin Cooking at Home, <laughs> like the series he did with uh, Julia and Jacques Cooking at Home. Um, but it's just little five minute clips because his wife passed away. Mm. His wife of 65 years passed away recently, a couple years ago, Mm. and he didn't want to stay at home and do nothing. So he started doing these little YouTube clips of him just cooking different things. And I mean, I can't even tell you it brightens my day. Like I really, his cookbooks kind of helped formulate me cooking mm-hmm. and wanting to cook and, and julia were kind of your heroes oh absolutely and so it's just lovely to see 86 year old jacques <laughs> Pepin cooking at home and there's little cute little cute clips the one i posted was um homemade cheese bread um which he's actually doing it's called la cachai <gasps> i love cachai oh and you're i love yeah your yeah, yeah. because so i did this in a class and basically it's don't throw away the ends of the cheese, you know, mm-hmm. whatever cheese you have, cut the wax off, cut, the, leave the little end, leave the rind, uh, yeah, throw it in a bag and put it in the freezer. And when you've got, you know, like a bag full of rinds, rinds and cheese ends, <laughs> and cheese ends from different cheeses in Provence, they would take that and they would throw it in a blender uh, with mm. uh, garlic, mm-hmm. white wine, yes, blend it up. Um, and usually with some cream cheese, some kind of mm-hmm. creamy cheese to, to form a spread. Then you throw the whole thing in a jar. And this is what's crazy. They ferment it yeah. and they would keep that jar. It will last once you've fermented it for 200 years. So this is an ancient Provencal. It becomes like a, like a mother sauce. It's, or... Okay, so even if you ferment it for 30 days, yeah. what you get is this incredible spread on some bread or some toast, mm-hmm. it's just delicious. So yeah, it's Jacques Pepin basically <laughs> doing his little at home. I think it's like five minutes the clip, <laughs> um, and 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 he's just adorable. So yeah, that's my that's my tasting this week, and uh, our tasting uh, that you want to talk about. Well, uh, so obviously we've been talking a lot about Macedonian food because we're here in Skopje. 
And I think wherever we go in Europe, uh, really anywhere, but especially in Europe, we, of course, start by diving into the local food. Right. And uh, But there's always a point, especially when we stay somewhere for three months, like we tend to do or longer, we then say, you know what, we've had a lot of the local food, now we're craving some international cuisine. Asian food. And for us, that <laughs> usually means Asian food. So, like, wherever we go, I mean, we have we have a place that does great Chinese dumplings in Belgrade. Yeah. Uh, there's a Thai place in Pristina that we oh my love. God, that place. Uh, there was an Indian place in Sofia, Bulgaria, that Amazing. we loved. Yeah, so, yeah. here, <laughs> our uh, one international cuisine that we found that we are loving is uh, a, a restaurant called Sushiko. Yeah. And oddly enough, it's actually a chain uh, that was created in Turkey, which is funny because it connects yeah. to Rumi. I know. <laughs> There's your Rumi, Rumi connection. Rumi died in, in, in Turkey, actually. Um, but yeah, it's, it was started in Turkey, and I actually uh, put in a link to the uh, Tokyo-born, Istanbul-based chef, yeah. <laughs> who's the head chef of Sushiko. They have locations all over Turkey, and then they've now moved into uh, some other countries like Skopje, uh, Skopje, Macedonia. I think they're in Tirana, Albania. They're in Cyprus. Cyprus, yeah. And I think there's actually in they're in Pristina now as well in Kosovo. Mm. But uh, fantastic sushi, and I think the one thing we put a photo on our Substack uh, that really makes them unique is the sushi. If you order delivery, it comes in these beautiful, I mean, cardboard boxes that are like art pieces. Yeah, like we're keeping the box. Like we might even order more sushi just to get into the box. <laughs> I mean, look at the photos. They're these beautiful cardboard boxes with this art, and they're just yeah. It's kind of a unique selling point. We're keeping our headsets uh, for recording in the boxes now. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, um, we'll be ordering more sushi. So anyway, uh, uh, no, little sushi and Skopje. Little sushi and Skopje. End this off and end this podcast today. Yeah. But um, that's what I've been tasting and what you've been tasting. Cheers. Cheers to that. Yeah. Well, um, this was podcast number five. Uh, Stay tuned. uh, Upcoming. We'll have some guests coming on. Um, We're looking forward to. Coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening, for liking, commenting. And please, if you are enjoying the podcast, the articles, the newsletter, share them with your friends. Please. Yes. That really means a lot. It's one way, whether you're a paid subscriber or not, uh, sharing our articles really means a lot to us. And sharing is caring. We, we appreciate it. So, so thank you for that. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our Aesthetic Arrest podcast. The Epicurean Vagabonds is a reader-supported publication. To receive exclusive content and support our work, consider becoming a paid subscriber. A monthly subscription is only $5, roughly the price of a large latte, and allows you to comment on all our posts, receive audio readings of our articles, and special content like Ryan Wildstar's exclusive recipes and our ongoing series, How to Vagabond Like an Epicurean. Also, be sure to check out our bookshop at bookshop.org shop slash Epicurean Vagabonds. If you click on the book's linked in any of our articles that take you to our storefront and purchase a book from our site or any other book on bookshop.org after visiting our bookshop, we receive 10% of the proceeds of your purchase, as well as an additional 10% going to independent brick-and-mortar bookstores. Again, we thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the Aesthetic Arrest podcast. Tune in next week for more recommendations. Cheers! Cheers!